0: Evidence and answers. When you hear the term ambassador, you think of people who serve at foreign embassies, those who represent a country or a group of people. So when someone says they are ambassadors for Christ, what comes to mind? A disciple? A missionary? An evangelist, perhaps? What do you think? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zukran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the arena of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today on Evidence and Answers, we begin with message one, taken from the 2017 Apologetics Conference held in Hawaii. Each year, Pat hosts this conference and brings out the best scholars, teachers, and authors to share in teaching and equipping you, the believer, to be able to share your faith effectively in our culture today. If you're unable to hear this entire broadcast, all of our messages are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now here's our keynote speaker and president of Stand to Reason Ministries, Greg Kokel, with part two of his teaching entitled, Ambassadors for Christ. Essential skills.
1: Jesus gets it right. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't want to go following some other path, but rather following the way Jesus saw the world. That's what you want to do. And so Paul is saying be careful. Be on the what? Defense. We're going to have a strong line here. We don't want the bad ideas to come in. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be exposed to the bad ideas. We should be exposed to them. I'll talk about that in a moment. It's just we don't want them to capture our minds. And by the way, it's going to be a very difficult thing for us to defend against the wrong ideas unless we have some idea of what the wrong ideas are. Now, next session for me, it'll be the last session this evening, I'm going to talk about relativism. And you all know what this is, even if you've not heard this word before. But I'm going to talk about how it's hard for Christianity and how you can defend against it. So that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. You have a good defense. Don't let the bad ideas come in. And again, you've got to know what the bad ideas are by contrasting them with the true ideas, and so you see you need some knowledge. <laughs> but there's more than just the defense. Paul says you've got to have a good offense too, because both are really necessary. And you read about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. I like it when Paul says, somewhere it says. He couldn't remember either. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. I'm quoting from the New American Standard here, so there's some differences what you may have. Wow, this is spiritual warfare. This is cool stuff, man. Wow, I like that. Rare to go. Well, keep reading because I think a lot of people have a misunderstanding of what the New Testament teaches principally about spiritual warfare. They think of it as power encounters, and I don't think that's Paul's view. Prayer is really critical and all that, but Paul is getting at something else here. Next line. We are casting down speculations. What's a speculation, like a theory? We are casting down speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now here, I don't think Paul was talking about having pure thoughts. We should do that, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about having accurate thoughts about God and reality. And it is the power of the truth that protects us from the lies in spiritual battle. In fact, what is the first piece of our spiritual weaponry, our armor according to Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, the belt of truth. That is the the devil's a liar, he's the father of lies and you know, and so he's going to hit us with lies and Paul says be on the offense, not just the defense, so you can take the lies, you see them what they are, and you tear them down. Now, it doesn't mean you tear the people down. (laughs) Just make that distinction. That's the character part. But we're tearing the lies down. We are showing them to be false, and that's, what's the title of this? This is what? Destroying, I, I don't see the poster. What is this? Destroying the strongholds, right? And so this is what we're doing. We are taking the truth against the strongholds of the lies. The number one way that the enemy captures Christians, there it is, demolishing strongholds of unbelief. Thank you. You are good, man. You ought to give that guy a raise. Wow. The number one way the enemy gets at us is through lying, through false ideas about reality. He holds our minds captive to do His will. I mean, there's four places in the New Testament I can tell you about right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 John chapter 5, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and Revelations, I think, chapter 12, verse 9. All of those passages talk about how the devil is blinding and controlling nonbelievers through lies. That's why we need to know the truth, knowledge, an accurately informed mind. Now, I said defense and offense. I also talked about answers and questions. And that is, we need the answers, which is the Christian account of reality. Now, I'm careful not to say the answers, which is the gospel. Because in a certain sense, I mean the gospel is the power of God to salvation, there's no question, but there's a certain sense that if, you know how long it takes to give you the gospel? A couple of verses in 1 Corinthians 15. Those aren't the only verses in the book. There's 66 books. Why, because that all, the rest of that stuff is important. It matters. And so what we have to do is have a bigger picture of how this all works together. And if you don't see how it all works together, you're going to be taken down by things like the problem of evil or why Jesus is the only way of salvation, whatever. So it's important to have a breadth of information, okay, of the basics. Now, I put together a book. I've been working on this for 15 years. And if somebody else wrote this book, I'd be right here telling you to buy it, okay? But I wrote it, so sorry about that. It's called the story of reality, how the world began, how it ends, and everything important that happens in between. This is an accounting of our story from the beginning to the end, okay? If you want to have a a good, balanced understanding of the big picture, this is going There's other books that will do it too, but I just took my shot at it, and it's really readable, very accessible. It's less than 200 pages, okay? And C.S. Clive Staples was my model in this, you know, for following. I wanted to do something kind of like he did, but I'm not, I'm not making any comparison because Lewis was, he was an alien from another planet. I mean, he just was a singular individual. He's fabulous. But I'm just, ma- this book has been really well received so far. You can go to Amazon and, and look at the reviews so far if you'd like to. But That's one way of getting the foundation. Okay, you got to get the answers. Now, what about the questions? Well, the questions change from era to era. The challenges on the answers change. And so there needs to be some sensitivity to what is happening right now. What is the barrier that's getting in the way of the gospel? And these are some things that we'll be addressing as a team here uh, this weekend. But just to think in general, knowledge, defense, offense, and answers and questions. And I made a comment earlier about not, not avoiding the issues, okay? I don't think we should hide from the challenges. I don't think we should hide our kids from the challenges. I believe in not isolation, but inoculation. Not isolation, but inoculation. You know what inoculation is? This is when you get a little bit of the bad stuff. It's the real McCoy. It's the bad stuff, but you get just enough that your body can fight it off. And then you build up a native or natural resistance to it. So this is what we ought to be doing in church. We're under assault from the culture around us. And I'm choosing my words carefully. I'm not a chicken little guy. I'm a realist about this. And things have changed radically in the last 20 years. And there's a lot of foolishness being pushed at Christians. And Christians don't know what to do. And a lot of them are backing up. And they're just going silent which is exactly what the other side, and when I say other side, I mean spiritually. I'm not looking down on any other people now. Spiritually, that's exactly what the other side wants, is for us to be quiet. We can't be quiet. Now, we have to learn how to navigate well as a good, what's our word? Ambassador, thank you. We want to navigate, but we can't back down. And so, in order to navigate, we've got to get inoculated. You've got to get some of that information, okay? Knowledge and accurately informed mind. Wisdom is an artful method. Now, I'm going to do a whole session tomorrow just on this. That'll be the tactical game plan. You'll see a book in the bookstore called Tactics, a game plan for discussing your Christian convictions. I'm going to give you a taste of that. I'm going to lay out a game plan, and I'm going to make you a promise at the beginning of that session that you will think, there's no way he's going to fulfill that promise in 45 minutes, but I will and this could make a huge difference for you. So that's tomorrow. So I'm gonna give this one the short shrift because what you need to learn to do is maneuver in conversations. I'm gonna give you some tools for that. But another thing that's really important about being an ambassador in the area of wisdom is how we communicate, that is communicating clearly. So here, I'm just gonna ask you to do something that is gonna be really, really hard for you to do. But if you practice at it, you'll get better. Okay, here it is. I want you to watch your language. And I don't mean don't say nasty words. I mean, I, want you to, I don't want you to say nasty words, but that's not what I'm talking about. I want you to be careful how you talk about your convictions. By the way, you notice I didn't say faith. Be careful how you talk about your faith. Be careful how you witness. Be careful how you share the Lord with other people. These are all church terms. When other people hear that, you know what they hear they hear the same thing I hear when I get on an airplane yesterday I flew in from Los Angeles so I got on and as a flight attendant and you know what flight attendants say when you get when you get on the airplane right here's what they say yakety yak 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 blah 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 right you fly a lot you know what I'm talking about we don't listen all right now if you your flight attendant no offense attended but you know how the, you know the drill it's flight attendant noise I'm telling you when you start talking as a Christian like I was just referring to what people hear is Christian noise that's it Get rid of that. If you do not get rid of that, people will not take you seriously. It's going to be very hard for you to communicate if you lose language, use language like that because those phrases meant something 50 years ago. They mean nothing anymore. And if you recall the way I said I introduced myself to secular audiences, there was a word Jesus in there, Jesus of Nazareth, and that was the only word that was remotely religious. I found a way to express it that was not thick with religious lingo. And when people hear religious lingo, I'm just telling you, their eyes glaze over. It does not communicate. We need to find a way to talk. We need to find synonyms. In fact, I wrote an article about this. You can go to our website, str.org, str.org. In the search thing put, watch your language. And you're going to get an explanation of this and a bunch of synonyms. I don't say faith anymore. I don't want people to have faith in Jesus. I want them to trust Jesus. When you say faith, people hear blind, blind faith, leap of faith, religious, um, you know, make believe. That's what they hear. I want you to trust Jesus. Trust is something that's earned. And by the way, the word in the Bible that's translated in the English faith means trust. That's what it means. Pisteo, or some version of it. It means trusting in Him, active trust, okay? So I'm not gonna talk about my faith, that is my belief system. I'm gonna say about my convictions, because these are the things I've been convinced of. I'm not gonna even talk about sin. I'm not gonna use the word, but I'm gonna talk about rebellion, and how we're guilty for sedition against the sovereign of the universe, and there's someday we're gonna stand before Him, and He will have justice, and that will not be a pretty p- picture. By the way, that's all the sin judgment stuff, right? That's all accurate stuff, but notice how by saying it in different words, it just sounds, I think, more powerful in our culture now. So here, I'm just going to ask you to try to find substitute words or phrases that communicate the same substance, but don't sound so tired and hackneyed as the religious language that we're used to, okay? So that's all I'm going to say here about the tactical wisdom I'll go in more detail about it tomorrow, but this part, just try to think about how you can be more clear. And one way to be more clear is just to find synonyms for the hackneyed religious terminology. Okay. Knowledge inaccurately accurately informed mind, wisdom and artful method, and character is an attractive manner. Now, this is an area where I think Christians have fallen down a little bit. There are Christians, for the most part, I think, genuine followers of Christ, are very virtuous people. They are gracious and they're kind and they're loving and they are quick to do acts of mercy. I got interviewed for Newsweek a number of years ago, and, and Newsweek said uh, the interviewer guy says, "Why all you guys care about is abortion and homosexuality? Why is that?" I said, "That's not what we all we care about. That's all you write about. That's all you write about. No wonder people have this perception of us. If that's all you report." That was right after Katrina. Where were the articles in Newsweek and Time, etc., about all of the Christians? that were doing things to help the victims of Katrina. And during that time, I was not in a single church that wasn't doing something. I'm in a different church every week. Every church was doing something. They were sending money. They were sending people, boots on the ground. They were bringing people in and they were having them live in their Christian communities. Nobody ever reported on that. Okay. So Christians are very virtuous people on balance. And I think all of the Charges against them, racist, bigots, intolerant, this is all a libel. Can you find individuals? Sure, you can find bad eggs everywhere. But as a group, Christians shine. And you know what they're doing? They're not waving their flag and saying, hey, look at me. They're not letting their left hand know what their right is doing. They're just quietly serving Christ and serving people. This is magnificent. However, when it comes to face-to-face encounters with people and the issue of the gospel, sometimes it's a little bit you know, dicey. And sometimes it looks a little bit more like D-Day than diplomacy, right? And so I'm going to give you some tips about how to make that work out better. The game plan I share tomorrow will help you, but I want to give you some tips that will help you in addition to that, okay? Basically, I think the problem is that Christians are either too naughty or too nice. (laughs) It should be easy to remember. Too naughty or too nice. So let's deal with the naughty part first some of us and i mean this quite personally that would be me are just a little bit too aggressive and we're looking for a scrap now i don't actually like getting in fights with people but i can be a little bit over the top in my conversations or let's say i have been in the past it's been moderated a lot by the game plan i'll teach you tomorrow but you know and so and maybe we can be a little crabby a little grumpy a little complainy some of us look like we've been weaned on a pickle You know, and see, this is not really a good thing, because if we're crabby at people who we're trying to persuade, that doesn't work very well, okay? I don't want to get in fights with people. I mean, really. Here's my rule. If I get mad, talking to some other, if I get mad, I lose. Got it? Write that down. If I get mad, I lose. Okay. What if I don't get mad, but the other person gets mad? Okay, write this down. If they get mad, I lose. How about this? If anybody gets mad, I lose. Okay? Why don't you say that first, man? That's shorter. If anybody gets mad, I lose. And by the way, this is a good principle in marriage, you know, but uh, no extra charge. I'm just tossing that out. So what I'm going to try to do is be the kind of person that is not acting in a way that people are going to get mad. Now I understand that a lot of times the truth itself causes problems. I mean, Jesus got himself killed, right? And he was a pretty good guy. So you can still have people angry at you because of the nature of the message. And we ought not, and I'll talk about this in a minute, be changing the message so that people are happier with us. This is a huge mistake. All right, But we shouldn't be offending people unnecessarily. And I think, you know, look, maybe, maybe we should, once in a while, say some things, and I hope they would be generous, that I, call, I consider very powerful statements in conversations with other people. And here's one of them. You know, that's a good point. Can we say that? Do you think the other people that disagree with us any ever have a good point? Of course they do. Now, it may not carry the day, but you can say well, that's a reasonable objection or a charge or a challenge. I understand it. I can, I can relate to that. Maybe I, well, I had the same question myself, and then maybe we'll offer, if we can, we'll offer an answer to it. And if we can't, we can just acknowledge that's a good question. You know, I was at uh, Knoxville, Tennessee about a year and a half ago when I was on the stage in a church. It was a discussion with a professor, philosophy professor from the university, and it was about same-sex marriage. Was this controversial? I mean, you can imagine who was on what side here in this discussion. But what was my strategy? Part of my strategy was not just to represent the truth as clearly and persuasively as possible. Part of my strategy was to try to agree with him as much as I possibly could in good conscience. If he said something that was good or sound, I'm going to say, I'm with you there. I understand that. You're right about that. I want to get next to him in a good way as much as possible and be as fair with the other person as possible. This is not only, there's not only integrity involved in this, this it's an honorable way of engaging, but it also is rhetorically powerful. All right, takes the edge off. People think, well, you're you're more fair-minded than I thought you'd be, kind of thing. Well, good. It makes us more persuasive on the issues that really count. How about this? Not just, you know, that's a good point, or I understand. How about this? I could be wrong. Gentlemen, can you say that? I could be wrong, I can say that, you know why? Because I could be wrong. Now I have reasons for believing what I believe, I'm not just emoting, I'm not just socialized by my community, you know, I could work it out and explain these things, but I still could be mistaken and I've changed my views about some things over time because I've learned some things. I want to be teachable and I am happy to say to a person, well I could be mistaken on this, let's talk about it. I'm only human. And what this does is it opens the conversation up a little bit, okay? And so why don't we say that? That's good. I'm trying to put, remember, a stone in their shoe. I'm trying to be gentle and reverent, 1 Peter 3.15. Defend the faith, always be ready to give an answer, yet with gentleness and reverence. Wow, how'd that get in there? That's not in the Bible. Yeah, there it is. Oh, my gosh. And that's not the only place. 2 Timothy 2, the Lord's bondservant should not be quarrelsome, but patient when wronged. Wow, where'd that come from? I thought we were supposed to fight for the truth. Well, kind of, but graciously. Okay, so that's what I'm after here. Some of us are too crabby. Some of us are too harsh. Some of us are too blunt, you know, so we're too naughty. Okay, so watch out for that. Some of us are too nice. Some of us are too nice. That is, what we want is we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We're just going to help the world see the love that we have for Jesus, and that's going to be enough. We're going to be really nice people. Well, that's great, and I hope you do that. That's a good first step. But I want to tell you something. Maybe you've not thought about this. You'll never be able to outnice a Mormon. Now, just for the record, Mormonism is not Christianity. It's a different religion. Every belief they have is different than classical Christianity. It just has the same language. I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just making the distinction. It's not Christianity. Okay? And, but they're really fabulous people. So if your view is, I'm just going to be nice, you've got stiff competition. You've got to communicate. You've got to be willing to step out and speak the truth in love, even when it's not popular. Okay? Some of us are just too. Nice. Here's one way to put it to sum up this, and then I'll close out some of this last point. The gospel is offensive enough. It's already plenty hard, okay? Don't add any more offense to it. That's the first part, the naughty part. The gospel is offensive enough. Don't add any more offense to it. Don't make it harder for people than it already is. However, For the two nice folks, we cannot remove the offense that is inherent to the gospel. We cannot remove the offense that is inherent to the gospel. We remove the cross of Christ. We remove the stumbling block. We just make it like all religions are pretty cool and, you know, choose your flavor, man. We have no message left. No one will die for that message, but Christians died by the thousands to be faithful to Christ in the first century, and they are dying now to guard the message. Knowledge, and accurately formed mind, wisdom, and artful method, character, and attractive manner. And it stands to reason it is our goal to help you to be a more effective in that area. When you came in, you were handed a card. It looks like this. Give me 60 seconds, and I'll explain what it's for. What this is, I want you to bend this card and tear it off. You should have it. If you don't, you can get one at the welcome desk. This blue thing is for you. It's a thumbnail sketch of what I'm going to teach you tomorrow. So this is a little reminder to help you out. You keep that. The white thing is for me. You tell me where you live, and we will send you free training material every single month. We need your address and your email because we can send it digitally. You'll get our bi-monthly newsletter, Solid Ground, and you will also get a one-page, on alternating months, a one-page mentoring letter from me. Remember I said, look up that piece I wrote, watch your language? That was a mentoring letter. You're gonna get good stuff from us. Take a moment and fill this out, and when you do, I'm going to give you a little card, and I thought I had this too. I'm gonna to give you a little blue card that says Jesus is the only way, 100 verses. Do you know there are nine lines of argument offered in the New Testament? Why Jesus is the only way of salvation? And there are a lot of verses that go with it. This little card has it. This is not for sale. It's the first piece of training material I give you for being part of what we're doing at Stand to Reason, okay? So turn this card into the back table. I'll be there in a few minutes and I'll give you that card. But don't forget, knowledge an accurately informed mind, wisdom an artful method, and character is an attractive manner. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us here on Evidence & Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you find this broadcast to be of a great value to you, please consider partnering with us. Evidence & Answers relies on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll see we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles, books, and additional audio for you to listen to or download. Be sure to share our website with your family, your friends, and of course your church. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management. Providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, please visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers.